Ladies and gentlemen, your very own Michigan State Spartans. Goal scored by Fatai Alashe, Ryan Keener, and the cast. Let's hear it for your MSU Spartans, Rachel Van Poplen. Goal scored by Mary Catherine Fiebernitz. Few national team players here on the Seattle Sounders, Clint Dempsey. Well, this is the Corner Kick Podcast for MSU Impact Sports. I'm Brooks Lambeer, and today we have J.R. Eskelson on today as we discuss the upcoming Big Ten men's soccer season. How are you doing, J.R.? Doing quite well. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, no problem. Anytime, anytime. How about we just dive into your article first uh, for uh, the uh, the MLS prospects that you thought the Big Ten has this year. So we'll start with goal, goalkeeper Tyler Miller. So obviously a senior, 58 games started and 58 games played. What makes him such a MLS prospect? Yeah, uh, he's one of those players who didn't have a great junior season. His injury issue, he just kind of didn't have a good support network in front of him with Northwestern, and Northwestern really struggled in the league. But Miller is a player with great technique. He has good size. He's going to be a good to decent MLS goalkeeper because he has a decent ability to distribute the ball. He can knock the ball well with his feet. So I, I think those are the qualities that really stand out with Miller. I wasn't too high on him, but I had quite a few Big Ten co- coaches call me like, now you're wrong about Miller. He's a good player. So he's one of those players I'm going to keep an eye on more this season, but I, I think he's a player who's already on the radar for most MLS teams. Goalkeeper is a tough position, though. You only get one. MLS teams really they don't want to waste the draft pick on it because you're better off sending it somewhere else. But I think Miller has the qualities that you'll probably end up seeing him get drafted come January. And then you have two other goalkeepers on the list. You had Adam Grinwis from Michigan, who I've seen play. Uh, there's been times where he's had lapses, especially last year. It wasn't one of his better years. But you said he was a little undersized in the article. But does he have a good chance of making it pro? I think he's a longer shot. I, I think the size is going to hold him back, and he doesn't really have those huge like qualities that are going to stand out. Like you said, he had some lapses, and if you're you're a bit undersized and you have other things working against you, those lapses punish you a lot more than say someone who's like a six five, six six goalkeeper because you can look past that. And you know he has potential, but when you're smaller and you're a redshirt year, you're a little bit older too. It's hard to get past that. He, He's a decent keeper. He's a good college keeper. There's probably a potential that he might find his way onto maybe a USL pro team or maybe even make an MLS reserve team at some at some point. But I, I don't think we're looking at him as a potential MLS starter okay. in the near future, at least. And then uh, with the intriguing goalkeeper, which is a 6'5", Andrew Wolverton for Penn State, a kid that played on the U.S. Uh, men's national team at the U18 level. Obviously, big keeper going to take up more of the goal, but what's really intriguing about Wolverton? He's incredibly athletic for his size. Like When you look at 6'5", goalkeepers, for the most part, you, when you analyze them, you're wondering how they're going to be able to get down. Are they able to get shots on the ground? And Wolverton can actually move pretty well. He's my favorite keeper out of this class because he has the size and he also has the, the potential to, to develop even more as he gets into a professional environment. And with that athleticism and that size, I, I think there's, there's going to be quite a bit of interest in him, and I, I think he's going to have another good season. I think last year he was tremendous for Penn State. I think he's probably the main reason Penn State ended up winning the league because he was just stopping everything and he was, Spider-Man and goal for them for a long part of the season. And then, like you said, it's difficult for MLS, for keepers to be picked in the MLS draft. Why is that? 
the the tendency of MLS coaches is to go with someone who has more experience and goal. So you're looking at your prospects in the MLS draft and you're wondering, well, can this player really help us anytime soon? And if the, if the coaches don't really think that that player is going to be there, then they're going to be like, we can wait. We don't need to pick a goalkeeper this year. And it's more of that position where coaches assess it on a need base instead of trying to assess it every single year. So there, there's young keepers in MLS, too. Like, you look at D.C. United, you look at Chicago Fire, you look at Colorado Rapids. All of these teams have young keepers. And it, it's hard to justify making an early-round selection on goalkeeper when you already have someone waiting in the pipeline or someone who's already starting who's a good keeper. So it, it's that type of position that it's really difficult to get drafted into. And then moving on to other positions, you have uh, obviously a guy I know very well, Fatia Lache, you know, covering him last year and then this year. Did very well with the U23 Portland Timbers, captain them. I'm, that's that's that, that's pretty uh, it's a pretty privileged uh, job to be captain of the U23 Portland Timbers and the PDL. Uh, played well in the homegrown game. Uh, very versatile player. Has played in the defensive midfield, and then you know David Rensing's played him on the back line. Uh, what what is your syno- uh, uh, synopsis or analysis of Fatai and, and his transition to the professional game? I mean, I love him as a prospect. I think the versatility that you mentioned is something that's going to be great for looking forward for his future careers. He's athletic enough that he can get by playing either at defensive mid because he can cover enough ground or he can play center back because he reads the game pretty well for for his position and for how he's approached in the game and for the coaching he's got at the college level. So I think there's options for him at the professional level for what position he plays. And when you start looking at the draft, coaches start looking at where can this guy fit in for us. So if you get a guy like that that can fit into multiple positions, it only helps. It also helps he has good skill. He can jerk read the ball well. He reads the game well, and he's pretty good on the tackle, so he can disrupt things. So these are all qualities that coaches are going to look for, all qualities that are going to stand out. Michigan State, maybe they don't get scouted as heavily as an ACC team, but he seems like the player to me who's going to maybe have some interest going into the Combine. The Combine's held in January. It's when MLS coaches, general managers get together and watch all the prospects, all the seniors who are eligible for the draft. He seems like the type of player who could – go down there and impress coaches even more once they see him hands-on really close. Because he'll fit those different roles. He doesn't necessarily need to fit into a team role, which is kind of hard to do at the combine. He can just stand out on his own in those situations. Why is it that when player, uh, when scouts and coaches are looking and owners are looking at college soccer players, I mean, the ACC has has had great players in the past, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, with Patrick Mullins last year and and so on and so forth. Uh, but wh- why is it that you know leagues such as the Big Ten uh, don't really get looked at as much by scouts and uh, owners? The Big Ten, I think the reputation is changing a little bit. But previously, the, the style of play didn't fit as well with the professional style of play. It was a little bit more start stop, a little bit more physical. So it was a bit harder to analyze players because you aren't seeing these players in real situations that can translate into MLS. I think over the last few years, you've definitely seen it change. There's definitely more coaches trying to coach up their players. And now you're seeing players go from Big Ten situations into starting lineups and contributing somewhat. So I think that is changing, but the ACC has that reputation more. So scouts and coaches flock to it more where they're, they're looking at they're like, this North Carolina team has already produced four or five professional players the last couple of years. 
they're going to produce more because those guys have been trained together. But now with the Big Ten, Indiana always produces professional players. Maryland's in the fold now. So there, there will be more attention paid to the Big Ten, and I think all of the teams will step up the level because they have better recruits coming in now that the conference is picking up at the soccer level. Uh, and then uh, another player that really intrigues me is Tyler Arnone and Marcus Ugarte from Michigan. I had a chance to watch Marcus and Tyler this summer playing in the MPSL. Marcus played a little for Lansing United, which I got to cover, and uh, Tyler played for DCFC. Which which prospect here has the better uh, professional career ahead of them? I think Tyler does. I think he fits into the MLS mold a little bit better. He, he's more of a hardworking midfielder who can who can just contribute. I think he's more ready to contribute at an MLS level right now. I think Marcus is more of a He's a player that doesn't necessarily fit into MLS as well. You look at college players that don't translate that well, it's usually an attacking mid or a skilled midfielder because in the MLS level, defensively, your responsibilities are a lot more pressure on young players. So you need a player who's willing to take that defensive responsibility well, and Tyler's probably ready to do that. I think he's done well, especially when he's been able to train with Sporting Kansas City in the past, and I think those types of things stand out, and being the Big Ten midfielder of the year, or at least the defending Big Ten midfielder of the year, will definitely help boost his draft stock heading into January. And then Tim Kreutz, who another Michigan State player, which who I've seen uh, the entire year last year into the spring season, played for Lansing United this past summer in the NPSL. Uh, interesting kid, got hurt his uh, he got hurt in 2011 with an injury. Uh, but he was a great player in high school. Uh, his high school, he uh, has the all-time leading uh, goal scorer at his high school, and uh, he was a prolific scorer in at the youth level. What's his future look like? I, I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse into him getting back to that level last year. I, I think he put. I see. I'm pretty sure he led uh, Michigan State in scoring. So he did. I, I think you're going yeah. to see him step it up even more this year. As he, he, the return from injury takes time. So. Each year that passes is a positive step forward. He's the type of player who has that speed, that, that element of surprise, a little change of pace that can really set you apart going forward. So he's, he's the type of player that will stand out in that respect, and he can stand out in game film, which is where a lot of scouting happens because he can change pace so quickly. So I think that's where his main attribute is going to come from. I think that's where he's going to have to make it at the MLS level is going to be probably on the wing, probably someone who can beat players one-on-one. Maybe he sneaks in as a support striker who can get behind people, but I, I think he has a decent outlook moving forward at the professional level, assuming he has another strong season. Obviously, with the previous injury history, you don't really want to see anything slip up at this point, but I, I think what you saw from 2013 was definitely a positive outlook moving forward for him. Yeah. I mean, as far I mean, not I mean, he's not just a great runner as well. I mean, when I've seen him in the games, he he's done very well. He, he reads the game very well. Uh, he makes very smart passes, good runs. Uh, he he just seems like he had he's uh, um, in Michigan State really missed him. You know, in the one year they didn't have him because uh, just just the way he reads the game. I, I feel like. Oh, definitely. And with Jay Chapman in midfield, and now him running into form, Michigan State definitely looking good for this fall and. It certainly helps him that he has a strong support class around him because players can read him and play off him well now that they have another talented, skillful player in the attack there at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess just throughout your whole entire list, can you pick one player that you think has the be- will have the best 
professional career? Oof. I, I want to lean towards Andrew Wolverton, the Penn State goalkeeper, just because I think he could have the best potential out of the group. But I, it, it's tough because goalkeeper is such a situational thing. If he doesn't get the right opportunities to play, if the right team doesn't take him, he's just willing on bench. It, it might never happen for him. But it, if I had to pick, I, I'd go with him because I think the, the potential is there for him to have a long career as a goalkeeper at the MLS level. Uh, what about players to watch? W- ones that are in, so- freshmen, sophomores, and juniors in the Big Ten. Well, who, who, who is, give me your top five to watch. So, top five. Northwestern has a freshman recruit named Elo Ozumba. He's a forward from the Houston Dynamo Academy. He was very, very good last season in 2012-2013 Development Academy. And this season, he, was, he wasn't quite as good. But I think if you get him into Northwestern's program, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to score alongside Joey Colestri, who's a junior who did really well last year there. I, I think those two can combine to make a pretty lethal strike force. Um, he's not a freshman, but he's a transfer, so he's kind of new. Maryland Neil Corbos is another player I'm definitely going to watch out for. He was one of Rutgers' best players last season. So he's going to step into Maryland. There's going to be some reliance on him to be an immediate contributor because Maryland just lost their attacking midfield recruit, Romain Gall, who signed a professional contract with Columbus Crew. So they had to replace him, and they had Neil Corbos already lined up. He, he has good skill. He reads the game well. I, I think he'll do well, especially in the Big Ten. Um, another freshman to watch is Michigan forward Ahinga Soleimani. He's one of the USU 17 men's national players from the last cycle. Big, strong forward, good with the ball, can strike a ball well. If he, if he contributes immediately for Michigan, I think he's probably the favorite to win the Big Ten freshman of the year. He has potential to score a ton of goals there. Uh, I like what Michigan's doing around him. I think they're building a strong team. That's three, so we're looking for two more. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Michigan State defender Jimmy Ficus. Okay, He's going to be a freshman this fall. Uh, I know the coaching staff there is high on him. Uh, I think he probably needs to fight his way into a spot and a significant playing time. But at the club level, he, he showed good things, and he was one of the top defenders in the development academy for the last few years. Uh, let's see who else we should highlight here. Oh, we'll do one more transfer. Brian James is a Virginia transfer who's heading to Penn State. Penn State lost a couple of players in the offseason, so they're rebuilding a little bit. But Brian James is a talented player who never really got shot at Virginia for one reason or another. I think with a change of landscape, I think he'll do well, especially in the Big Ten, where midfielders maybe can show off a little of their skills a little bit more. Well, obviously Michigan State brought a transfer in from Virginia as well. Zach Carroll played for the U-17 men's national team. What do you make of Zach and what he'll bring? Obviously, he's going to fill in for Kevin Cope, I, from what I've heard from the coaching staff. Uh, what's your take on him? Zach is a good player. I, I've liked what I've seen from him in the past. I believe he lost most of last season to an injury and then he came back and he, he starred for the team in the College Cup run. So I, I think the, the lasting note for him was his positive play during the NCAA tournament. He's a smart defender. He reads the game well. He can, he can see what's in front of him. Uh, he probably needs to improve his speed of play moving forward. I think he'll do well under the Michigan State coaches. I think they'll We'll do a good job nurturing him and developing him as a player to make sure he reaches that potential. 
Uh, I, I think he'll fit in well with Michigan State. I think he'll have the opportunities to play quite a bit, and I, I think he's a player who can immediately contribute to that team. Kind of diving into the Michigan State team a little bit here, um, what, do you, what do you make of Jay Chapman? From what I've seen, Jay Chapman, he's a very smart player, has great vision on the field, but I feel like sometimes he disappears in games uh, if you've watched film on him. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. I, the thing I love about him is he makes he makes amazing runs off the ball. He's, he's one of those midfielders who, who will make the runs that open up the field for everyone else around him. But sometimes he's not entirely always involved because he's making these runs and he's not checking for the ball and the game's kind of passing him by. So th- there's definitely points where he's, he's not necessarily the player you want him to be, but there are things that he does that make everyone else look better. So I think he's he's gone. He's a key piece to Michigan State's success. I think the more time he spends with the Michigan State coaching staff and the Michigan State players around him, the better everyone will be at utilizing his skills, utilizing the way he plays the game. I, I think he has the potential to really be an offensive threat from the midfield, the same way Leo Stoles did at UCLA last season. Leo Stoles was pulled a hold back, and he didn't really do much as a freshman and sophomore. But then when they, as a junior, they said, well, we need more attack. We're going to let him go free. And I think that's going to be the same thing you're going to see with Jay Chapman. It's just going to be, let's push him forward. Let's see what he can really do. We have enough talent behind him. And I, I think Chapman can rise to the occasion and definitely help Michigan State and, and the attack more, especially in 2014. I mean, he's a Toronto FC homegrown player. What what does his professional future look like? I mean, it's Toronto FC, so who really knows what those guys? <laughs> but, uh, I, I, from what I've seen of him, I, I like his potential. I like the way he plays the game, but I don't know if he fits in well with Toronto FC. So it, it's tough to assess. I, I think he'll eventually probably end up going there because he's going to end up having a very good career at Michigan State, and Toronto FC is going to look dumb if they don't sign him. So I think he'll end up going, but I don't know how they're going to utilize that. So I, I hope that he finds a good spot in the Toronto FC system. That's why I assuming Brian Nielsen still is the same coach when they when he finally gets up there. But I, I, I think he could have potential. I would be hesitant to say he's going to be an immediate contributor for Toronto FC at this point, though. Okay. Another player that some people had on their radar, some of the guys, some of the scouts uh, or the writers I talked to at MLSsoccer.com talked about Adam Montague being a possible uh, MLS prospect. The kid's 6'3". You know, he, he's very good at holding the ball up top. He shoots the ball well with his right foot. He needs to use his left foot occasionally sometimes, uh, kind of relies on his right foot a little too much. But he does well up top. What's his future look like for MLS? Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty perfect sign for right there. I, I, it's When you have a big guy up top, you, you need to have something else with it. Because when you move to the MLS level, the center backs are going to be roughly the same size as your big guy up top. is good in the air. He's good at holding the ball. He, he needs to add something else to it. I, I wouldn't classify him as a very good athlete, so th- there needs to be maybe a little bit more of a technical development uh, I'd be reluctant, but I kind of compare him to Mark Sherrod, the the Memphis player who stepped in well for Houston. Mm-hmm. I, I think if he could get to that sort of level in terms of his ability to dribble with the ball at pace, his ability to turn on defender, then he'd probably have a better outlook. But I think at this point, I, I think he's looking—he's on the outside looking in. I think he's going to be a 
invite to the combine because MLS teams want to take a look at him due to his size and due to the production he's had at Michigan State. But I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's a for sure draft pick at this point. Going off of when we when you give when you gave me like your five up and coming players, uh, there there's two I guess Michigan State guys that aren't freshmen that I've really liked and I've enjoyed watching uh, last year, and that's Zach Bennett. And I got to watch Zach obviously play this summer for Lansing United. Uh, had a great uh, summer soccer session and had a fantastic year last year. What's his outlook for his uh, for his future in the MLS? Yeah, I mean he's a he's another great keeper in the Big Ten right now, right? So mm-hmm. you're you're looking at all these keepers in the Big Ten. There's like a log jam of them. So <laughs> eventually he's going to have his time to shine. He's he's going to have the Wolverton, the Miller. They're all going to graduate, and it, it it's going to be Bennett's time to shine. But I, I like him too. I th- I think he's a good keeper. I think he's a good shot stopper. I think he's a good distributor. I think he organizes his defense well. I, I think I'm high on him, but he, he's, he's hidden behind other good keepers in the Big Ten at this point, and I think he's probably going to have a pretty solid year in 2014, but he's going to need that other year, the one more year where he's the senior and he's like the stud on the team that, that's really going to make him shine at the MLS level. Uh, at 6'3", he's not necessarily the biggest goalkeeper you'll see at the MLS level. He's, he's a decent size. He's a good size, but... Uh, he has to be cleaner with his technique, cleaner with his shot stopping. All those qualities need to improve for him to really have a MLS chance. Because as we talked about earlier, it's hard to get drafted as a goalkeeper in MLS. Yeah. College soccer produces good goalkeepers, so you have to be pretty exceptional as a goalkeeper to get drafted at the at the MLS level. Yeah, last year he did have a little some lapses on off crosses, and uh, uh, there were times where he he misjudged them, and they ended up being goals. Um, there weren't many, but but he does have a little lapses in his game. I, I will agree with that. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's the, the potential's there. Mm-hmm. And I the potential to develop, and I think the Michigan State coaching staff does a good job with all of their players. So I, I think Zach hopefully will improve on those things, and I, I think he'll have a shot at MLS, but I think it's going to have to wait until after his senior year, especially when he has that time to shine. Now, another Michigan State player is Andrew Hurt. He's an in- intriguing player to me. Played for uh, FC Delco. Uh, filled up a Union Academy, got some, got to play with a little bit uh, when he was in high school. Didn't play in 2011 because he was hurt in preseason. But he comes on and he starts in the back line and uh, a little unsure of who Michigan State was going to put back there. Does very well. I see him as a very versatile player. He f- feels like a Vatai to me, a defender, but he can also score in the midfield. He almost tied up the game when they played at Notre Dame in the Elite Eight last year. What, what do you make of Andrew Herr? Yeah, I, I think I think he needs more tape on him. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's only had one year of playing. Uh, from what I saw last year, good technical skills, uh, good ability to get forward. Uh, I, I think he's he's something to watch moving forward. But I, I think he's a player that you got to see develop a little bit more. I think Michigan State identified him well as a possible replacement for the defense. But it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to be his position. For his future, at least. All right, so we've kind of talked about Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Now, Wisconsin had a great year last year, but if you look at their history, they've been kind of every other year we're good and then we're not. Uh, what's your make? What what do you take uh, uh, from Wisconsin? They lost their their two or three uh, top scoring players last year, so it's going to be probably a little struggle offensively, I would assume. Yeah, and they also lost AJ Cochran in the defense, so they're going to have to replace their center back as well. So 
I, you look at the roster, 12 true freshmen, only three seniors. Uh, like you said, it's been either good or bad for Wisconsin. It's, it's starting to look like it might not be a good season for them. Uh, they're definitely going to need those freshmen to step up immediately. So it might be a learning process for them this year. But they have a good goalkeeper, again, in Casey Byers, <laughs> and they have a good midfielder in Drew Connor. So they have decent pieces on the field that they might be able to build around. And I think this recruiting class is pretty strong. It is 12 players, but I think they might have some contributors immediately. I think Mark Segbert is one of those players who's got enough speed and enough skill to contribute immediately despite being a freshman. So I, I think Wisconsin could have decent pieces, but I don't have the same expectations for them this year that I had for them last year when they had those talented seniors and those, and those forwards that could actually do something. So it's going to be a season to watch, but I don't, have, I don't think they're going to be that as good as they were last year. And then what about the Hoosiers? The first losing season ever in their soccer program. They lose Tommy Thompson to the MLS. Uh, leaves for uh, he's a homegrown player. Leaves for the San Jose Earthquakes. Lose a couple for, lose a couple offensive players. They still have Andrew Oliver, who's not a bad player, who played for the U seventeen and U eighteen men's national team. Uh, what do you make of Indiana, and will they turn it around? I, Oliver was very good at the youth national team level. We haven't seen the same Andrew Oliver at the college level yet. It, it might be this year. It might be something that clicks. Indiana's roster is a little bit of a mystery to me. When you look at Indiana, normally you look at top recruits. You look at blue chippers. You look at players that just stand out that you're like excited to see all the time. This year's team doesn't necessarily have the same feel. It, it sort of feels like a team that's kind of uh, built a like for a lower conference in some ways. There's still good players in it, but it doesn't feel like the the Tommy Thompson replacement's there. there there's no replacement for Eric Zavaleta there. there. There's no star in the making there unless Andrew Oliver steps up or unless Femi Hollander Jansen steps up and continues his growth. They, they need one of those players to make that huge leap from being a, a good college player to a great college player. And we haven't seen it yet. It might be this year that it happens, but this roster on paper doesn't look that strong, which might be of some concern to Indiana fans who suffered through that season last year that you mentioned that just was not what Indiana expects. I mean, they, they played a difficult schedule at the beginning, but very interesting to, that you note that they, they don't look like a high D1-level team. That That's very intriguing. It, it's when those. Olden days of Indiana, you always have those top youth national team recruits. and it, it just sort of feels like they don't have that right now. They still have that excellent coaching staff. They still have uh, player development model that produces good players. But it just doesn't seem like it's the same storied Indiana teams where you're looking at the roster and you're like, wow, they're stacked. It, it just doesn't feel that way this year. And then move on to Ohio State. They haven't had the best couple seasons the last couple years uh but they have a good forward who's only a sophomore danny jensen and then alex ivanoff who faces a ton of shots and he does stop a lot of goals i guess can you probably add him to another great goal or good goalkeepers the the big 10 has uh what do you make of ohio state yeah um, i'm glad you highlighted danny jensen i think he's a very (laughs) good player i think he doesn't have the same support that some of the other forwards in the country have but he's he does produce when he gets opportunities. Ohio State doesn't really have a, a ton of talent around him. But I, I think if this, this Danny Jensen sophomore class that also has Christian Soldat on it, who I think could be a decent player slash good player in the Big Ten, 
I think they need that class to step up. That's a sophomore class that really needs to step up. They also have three junior transfers on the team this year. They're going to need those guys to contribute immediately. On paper, this isn't a really good team. This isn't someone who's going to contend for a Big Ten title. This is a team that's going to need to defend and defend well to stay in the mix for a few games and stay in the mix in the title hunt. But I, I don't see them challenging a lot unless they really have someone step up, especially on the defensive end. I see them in a lot of close 1-0, 2-1 games if they're going to end up maybe making any noise in the Big Ten. Well, it was the Big Ten. Everyone kind of scratches at each other, and then someone eventually wins, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about uh what about Northwestern? We've kind of gone over them a little bit. Uh, I felt like you know they had good players last year and Chris Ritter and some other players around him, but they just seemed like they couldn't get it done when it needed to be done. Uh, what do you make of them this year? Yeah, that was a weird season for them last year for Northwestern. Um, it, it's going to be hard to replace Clint Ritter. I mean, it's it's not it's not an easy proposition. The way Northwestern plays puts a lot of emphasis on the number six, the defensive midfielder, and and trying to find a player to replace Ritter is going to be difficult. I thought Cole Missimo, who I believe played club soccer with Zach Bennett down solar in Texas, mm-hmm. is going to be the one to watch for um, Northwestern. He, he's going to be a midfielder who's probably going to step up and try to help fill that void. Last year he ended the year with points in six of the last nine games. So he had some potential and he showed well at the end of last year. I think they're going to put a lot more emphasis on him. As I mentioned earlier, Elo Osumba, mm-hmm. the one from Houston, who's the who's the striker who I expect to be one of the leading scorers on the team next to Joey Calistri, and they have Tyler Miller and goal, so they have a decent spine to that team. I, I think the the spines there have a very good team. It's about filling the pieces around them so everyone makes makes it work. Um, I, I think that's something that needs to be seen. I think they'll be better this year than they were last year, but I'm not sure what to expect in terms of if they're going to contend for the top spot in the conference yet. Yeah, no, how, how can you not like Joey Kleistry? 12 goals last year, one of the top scorers in the NCAA, very good player. Yes, yes he is. Uh, okay, now to the two newcomers. Uh, we'll start with Rutgers. You have coach Dan Donegan, who coached at St. Louis University. Uh, I guess Rutgers, since the days of Alexi Lalas, uh, have been very scattered they've had good years they've had a couple 21 seasons since and you know a couple 15 win seasons but it's been kind of interesting at Rutgers what do you make of them coming into the Big Ten for how much talent is in the New York New Jersey area you feel like Rutgers would be better you'd feel like they'd be able to grab more of that talent and keep it local but as you see you see Georgetown kind of plucks it and now Michigan's also plucking it from the area so Rutgers is is a mystery to me and why they're not better I I think they they have a couple of good players a couple of players that that I think are gonna stand out in the Big Ten but they don't have a lot of depth they they have probably six or seven quality players and outside of that they're going to need some players maybe to surprise some people and step forward Uh, I I just last year's team they only scored 24 goals and 15 of those goals aren't returning this year with Mel Corbos moving on and Team Easy graduating. So it's it's tough to look at this team and be like confident in them because there's so much that needs to be replaced. There's a defense that definitely needs to improve. I think you're in a rebuilding process with Rutgers, and I, I think this needs to be a year that they maybe take some lumps, but. 
they need to show that the potential is there moving forward, and they need probably a pretty good recruiting class in 2015 to really help in the big time. I mean, they also lost a transfer to Akron as well. I think he was one of the top goal scorers on their team as well. So That's true, yes. It's, it's, when you're losing your top players, it's not easy to stay good, and especially when you're not recruiting your top local players. The so Rutgers is in a bit of a struggle in that sense. And then finally, we all know about the University of Maryland. Great program. A lot of great players. Uh been one of the top teams in the ACC for many years. Are they are they the favorites to win the Big Ten? They lost a lot of players last year, and Schuma, Mullins, uh, a couple other seniors that graduated. What do you make of them? I think Maryland will be the coaches slash FIB preseason favorite. I actually think it's probably a three-team race between the three M's, the Maryland, <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State. I think those would be my three favorites if I had to pick. Uh, Maryland... The amount of growth you saw in that team last year was incredible. I was able to catch them on their first weekend when they played against Cal and Stanford, and that defense was a nightmare. I was, I looked at it, and I was like, there's no possible way this team's going to be able to compete in the ACC. The defenders are a mess. They're giving up goals left and right. Zach Steffen can't organize anyone. I don't know how they're ever going to fix this. And, of course, their coach, Sasso Cherefi, he does it. He just does it. He gets the players in the right positions. He gives them the right confidence. He develops them into good potential. And Maryland has another great season. So you can't ever write Maryland off. I don't think this roster is as good as last year's team. I think replacing Patrick Mullins is an incredibly difficult task to that. I don't think he could really do. I think you're going to have to change your game plan and your style a little bit. But I, I think they have the coaching staff that's probably going to keep them in contention for a Big Ten title even though they they didn't have a great recruiting class because they lost out on players and they didn't really bring in many players. I think right now they only have two freshmen listed on their roster at this point. So I, I, I think they'll still be in the mix, but it's not as good of a Maryland team as last year as well. So, uh, so just a couple more questions at the end. So team in the Big Ten, that's going to surprise you this year? Oof. Team in the Big Ten will surprise, man. Uh... I, I guess Northwestern, I think they, they have to be better than last year, and I, I guess it's going to surprise me a little bit because I think they have potential to score quite a few goals. So I, I could see Northwestern maybe finishing second or third in the conference, but leading the conference in goals scored. Okay, interesting. Okay, so it seemed between that for these two, it was the Ohio State or Rutgers, but what team is going to struggle this year in the Big Ten? I'm going to go with Rutgers. I, I just... I, I think they're two, maybe one or two injuries away from really having a disaster year. Of course, I could say this, and they could everything could just work out perfectly for them. Oh, yeah. But Rutgers' main concern for me is their depth. I, I just don't think there's enough depth on that squad to really last through a college season. You have to play so many games in such a short amount of time for college soccer. You really need to go 18 to 20 players each of contributors. Mm-hmm. You can't have that luxury of redshirting like six or seven guys, which is not possible. So you really need to have contributors coming off the bench at all times because you're going to need those players when you have that quick turnaround from a Friday to a Sunday game. So that's my big concern with Rutgers. I think Ohio State was kind of a disaster last year, but I, I think Danny Jensen's a good forward. And I think he'll keep him in games because he'll score goals and Ohio State will sit back and make people just really pissed off because they're not pushing any numbers forward and you're going to have to break down nine players at times. So, I think Ohio State has potential to pick up a couple of wins here or there because, like you mentioned earlier, they could scrap and claw with the best of them. Mm-hmm. So five teams from the Big Ten made 
the NCAA tournament last year, then six this year, the new Big Ten. If you count Maryland, we'll add, add them to that. Do you see six making it back to the NCAA tournament next year or, or less? I'm going to say less. My guess would be five teams that get. I'm, if I had to pick right now, I'd say Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, and Penn State would be the five I target right now. It's the teams I think have the best chance to make it out. Obviously, you never want to look past Indiana. I think Indiana, if they get their team in order, if they get the right players in the right places, and obviously that coaching staff probably will do this, they'll probably be in the mix. I don't think they'll be able to do the same thing they did last year where they struggled all season and somehow snuck in and won the Big Ten tournament. I don't think you can do that two years in a row. Luck doesn't favor you that way. And I think Wisconsin's the other team that I'd have just on the bubble looking in. I, I'm just worried with so many freshmen if they'll be able to find the right contributors to, to help that team immediately. I think only three seniors on the roster definitely is going to hurt a little bit. Big Ten team that has the best chance to compete for a national championship. That's a tough question because based on talent alone, I'd say it's between Michigan State and Michigan. But you sort of need the experience of making it that far in the in the NCAA tournament to really contribute for the title. You rarely see a team just kind of sneak in there and win it. So I, I think the coaching staff at those two programs are going to have good runs this year, but I don't see them winning the NCAA tournament. If I had to say the best chance, I'd say Maryland just because I know that coaching staff can get the players in the right positions and get the players with the right mentality, and they know how to win these one-off games in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think Maryland would have the best chance. On paper, I think I like the talent on Michigan and Michigan State prospects better, though. Last question. If you were coaching, which Big Ten team would you not want to play in the NCAA tournament? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think I'd want to play Maryland. I, I wouldn't want to go against that coaching staff. It would it, be a tough one. I, uh, there's there's certain Big Ten teams I wouldn't want to face for other reasons, mainly because I'd be worried they'd hack my players and that'd uh, be some trouble. But in terms of winning a one-off game, I think the, the most difficult competition to go against would be Sasha Sarovsky and the Maryland coaching staff. Well, uh, JR, I appreciate you calling in and taking time out of your uh, busy schedule because um, I know you got the preseason coming up and you've probably you know getting ready for the uh, the uh, Scott and the youth guys and whatnot. Uh, but I appreciate it uh, and I hope you had fun. Thanks, Brooke. Yep. Appreciate your time and it was a blast. You're welcome, man. Uh, so that was JR uh, Eskelson for Top Door Soccer uh, reporter. And uh, this is the Corner Kick Podcast here at Pack 89 FM, and uh, we will see you later. Take care, JR. Thank you. And my goodness, they didn't want to drop it on this boy's lip. He is a threat. He is stunning. What a start for Liverpool. Still Maverick. Looks like Xavier. Early in the game, he's entitled to be a little nervous, but was he? You bet your life he wasn't. Miller, lovely cushion header. Mitchell! You beauty! What a headshot! What a head! It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. And let me tip my hat to the genesis of this goal. Balotelli, Aguero!